Well, thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Freed Way Thinker, a serial of the Freed Thinker podcast, although I'm getting more and more of these out. But hey, that's the idea. Shorter snippet type content for you all rather than some really long ones, although I do have a long one in the work, so it's coming. It is on its way. Uh, I am Tyler. I am your driver for this edition. Uh, I just really wanted to briefly talk about something that keeps coming up over and over and over again in some of these uh, soteriology discussions and groups that I'm in. So over the past, I don't know, year or so-ish, I don't have the exact dates, uh, those like Leighton Flowers over at Soteriology 101 have been touting people like Ken Wilson arguing for the revisionist myth that um, Augustine basically invented theistic determinism uh, grounded in his Manichaean background and that it's a Gnostic import and all of this uh, really just absurd historiography that no one really uh, in, in, in in actual historiography, church history, Augustinian studies takes seriously. Uh, I'm in the middle of working on getting a uh, leading Augustine scholar on and he basically from uh, from the snippets that I sent him, because while Flowers says Wilson is a quote-unquote leading Augustinian scholar, uh, no one knows who he is, no one's read his stuff, no one has any idea of his thesis, and when I bring it up to them, they say, yeah, there's there's a lot of weird things that pass through PhDs. Um, so I, I want to talk, though, about an ancillar topic that comes up. Because part of what counts that they that that, that flowers and others tout as his credentials is he oh he, he read he read Augustine all of Augustine in chronological order oh it's magical no one's done that before um, <laughs> I don't mean to be snarky but that's just not a criteria for scholarship I mean that's that's interesting but that doesn't make his thesis any more plausible or accurate. So um, <clears throat> I want to talk, though, about the use of church fathers as sources. Um, this has come up recently because a lot of people, and this comes up in um, debates over the traditional view of hell, eternal conscious torment uh, versus annihilationism or conditionalism. This comes up in baptism debates between paedo-baptists and credo-baptists. This comes up now in these, these Augustine discussions. Um and there's a lot of people who have fundamentally bad understandings about how uh, we read and how we should read the early church fathers, um, which is somewhat ironic because the ones who, who in this discussion, uh, in, in the soteriology discussion, are running rapidly to the early church fathers are precisely the ones who would just absolutely avoid and say, oh, well, we, we go to the Bible, we don't go to the early church fathers, when it comes to <laughs> baptism debates. They largely are Anabaptistic, uh, you know, post-Arminian, uh, provisionist type of type of folks. Um, and, and it's so funny because on the one hand, they, they recognize that we should go to the scriptures as our authority. And on the other hand, they continue to go to the church fathers um, to, to enunciate the, these things. Um, I understand that one is what they're making a historical claim, um, <laughs> but who cares? Uh, e- even if I were to grant, I, I said this in my in my episode dealing with the with the, the Pelagian semi-Pelagian Gnostic claims. Even if I were to grant the argument <laughs> that Augustine got it from Manichaeism. So what? That just commits the genetic fallacy. That has nothing, literally nothing to do with whether it's true or not. So it, it's 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 just a bad argument from top to bottom. But 
I want to talk about using the church fathers as, as sources, trying to understand their writings. Um, so first of all, some people go to the church father and they'll proof text them. They'll proof text them in the way that some of the people proof text the Bible without any context. And so they'll get the they'll get the quote wrong. <clears throat> so they'll go to some they'll go to some verse and they'll say, see, uh, uh, Augustine is is defending determinism. The, the Manichaeans defend determinism, therefore, you know, they're, they're the same thing. Um, there's a couple problems with that. The first one is that when you ask them for any primary sources, any, any citations for what the Manichaeans uh, believed, they have none because they're, they're, <laughs> they're all like post-Augustine. They're all second or third-hand sources from people engaging in polemics against them. We don't actually have really any of the Manichae writings uh, detailing their beliefs from their point of views from any time prior to Augustine. So, uh, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I compare um, this whole uh, provisionist, anti-quasi-historical <laughs> revisionist uh, method to Jesus mythicists. Because Jesus mythicists do the same thing. Like, oh, like, well, Jesus is just, uh, just a, a rehashing uh, of the myth of Zoroaster. Okay, except all of the all of the information that we have about Zoroaster, Zoroastrianism, um, you know, rising and dying, are all post-Christian sources by several hundred years. Um, you can't say that the Christians are borrowing from them if all of the sources we have about it being uh, about dying and rising follow, you know, fall within the Christian era. The causal arrow is directly, plausibly backwards. Um, the same thing happens uh, here with with the Augustine uh, Manichaean uh, connection. That's one problem. The other problem is that they just take a quote and they take it completely out of context. Um, by all accounts, if we do trust these later sources as accurate to what the, the Manichaeans believed, they believed in a kind of natural mechanistic determinism, um, almost like what an atheistic materialist would believe. Uh, that there that there are um, deterministic principles within the ordering of nature itself such that something uh, necessarily follows uh, from the prior state of existence um, that that, uh, that that was heavily based on astrology um, so you were determined to do something based on the sign uh, or the stars that were in the sky when you were born that's the type of determinism that Manichaeism appears to affirm uh, or to have affirmed. Um, whereas once you get into to Augustinianism and, and Augustine's thought, um, it, it's hard to even call it determinism. We call it, we typically call it compatibilism um, to be more accurate because it's a kind of soft determinism, but it involves the freedom of the will. We, we, we don't typically just call compatibilism soft determinism. Because someone can affirm soft determinism is true and still deny freedom of the will. Um, so typically we just call it compatibilism. So um, to, to then take Augustine's positions completely out of context without any of these conceptual markers and say, oh, well, it's just the same thing as the Gnostics. It's, it's just bad proof texting from the early church fathers. Another problem with proof texting from the early church fathers is that there's a there's a selection bias that happens. So they'll go through and they'll find, uh, and this happens on both sides. They'll go through and they'll find one verse or one one statement uh, or a handful of statements that appears to show, oh, well, see, this person agrees with me. Well, I, uh, often I've shown, well, I can go to those same people and I can I can pull out verses 
and and they appear to affirm some type of divine determinism. They 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 affirm some type of radical sovereignty. They affirm some type of limited atonement. They affirm some type of irresistible grace. Right? They they there's you can show literally all over the place. Right? So there's a selection bias that happens. So you have to be careful when someone says, "Oh well, uh, Clement or Oregon or uh, or or some you know some other uh, Tertullian or someone believes." like I do, because here's this one or two quotes. Um, oftentimes, that's just a selection bias. They, they often affirmed, apparently affirmed both sides, and I'll get into that here in just a moment. So you just have to be careful when people are offering that type of selection, uh, because they usually are ignoring other things that are counter evidence to what they're claiming. Uh, this leads to the third problem, and that is that the early church... Um, was not, I don't want to say not interested, because I don't mean that they were disinterested. They just didn't do synthesis. Um, They were apparently completely fine with affirming apparently contradictory positions um, or or antimonies or uh, appeal to mystery or things like that. They would just use they 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 didn't do systematic theology really. They didn't they didn't tie all their theology together in a bow. Um, in the same way that it would be inaccurate for a Calvinist to say, "Oh, the early church fathers were were Calvinistic," it would also be inaccurate to say. Uh, that the early church fathers were Arminian, or that they were provisionist, or that they were, you know, any anything like that. In fact, I think it's probably inaccurate to say that they were monergistic or synergistic. Um, they they appeared uh, to affirm uh, both in in some regard, and that's because they were far more comfortable than we are. And I'm not saying this is good or bad. Um, I, I actually understand arguments in both directions. They were far more comfortable simply using the plain language of Scripture without trying to do any synthesis, right? They just affirmed the, the, the plain statement of Scripture without any type of, of theological synthesis tying it all together. And so this is why um, you have them affirming things like uh, complete grace apart from any types of work and baptismal regeneration um, because they simply affirmed without doing any type of theological synthesis um, they simply affirmed uh, the, the statements of scripture that baptism now saves you and they affirmed that it's by grace alone <laughs> um, so they 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 just sim- they, they weren't systematic theologians they didn't it, it's just anachronistic to try to ascribe our systematic categories and our systematic systems or paradigms back onto the early church that they just didn't do that in the same way and, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers here it's inaccurate to call the early church fathers Trinitarians they weren't Trinitarians. They did not have a developed, synthesized Trinitarian theology. Now, they affirmed the, 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 core, the core nuggets of Trin- what will later become Trinitarian theology. They affirmed that. Um, but in some cases, they affirmed the humanity of Christ in some ways that would make us very uncomfortable. Uh, so it, it's, um, it's not at all... Uh, it's not at all right or proper to attempt to anachronistically ascribe or to to juice the early church fathers to try to get out 
the, the, the juice or the pulp of, of modern systematic categories and synthesized thinking. They just didn't do that. Um, another major problem with using the early church fathers is, like I said, there's a selection bias um, in in uh, in the in the passages that people actually cite. And I roughly touched on the selection bias that happens in the topics that people talk about. So, um, you know, this comes up, the early church fathers comes up in questions about the nature of hell, about baptism, about, uh, about you know, apparently about determinism, since Soteriology 101 is, is harping on that. Um, but what I want to say simply is that the early church fathers are not our authority. They might have some interesting historical questions that we can talk about. Um, but it should not be what guides our theology. Notice that, the, the again, these are the same people. The provisionists are the same people that if the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or even the Catholics wanted to go to the early church father and talk about baptism, they would say, oh, well, we don't, we don't just go to tradition. We don't go to the early church fathers. That's an interesting historical question, but thanks, no thanks, let's stick to the scriptures. Right? Because they, because they know that in the early church infant baptism was, if not the universal view without exception, the nearly universal view without exception from the very beginning, from the earliest sources we have. Uh, if you read uh, Joachim Jeremiah's book on this, two books on this, uh, it's very, very clear that it was the, the, if not the universal, the near universal position of the early church without exception. And you don't get any widespread credo Baptist positions really until the Waldensians, uh, which is, you know, in the late medieval period. Um, so they, they, they're, they're not, they don't only have a selection bias in, in the actual proof text they use, they have a selection bias in the topics that they have. Um, they, again, the early church also largely believed in, in, apparently, in baptismal regeneration, that baptism is what saves us. Uh, baptism is part of the means by which God saves his people. No credo-baptist is going to want to affirm that. And so they, they, they eschew going to the church fathers in those types of situations. right? So you, wanna, you just want to be careful that, that, that you're using the same and consistent standard by how you use the early church fathers when you're going from one topic to another. Right? And, I, and I just find that when it comes to uh, a lot of these claims, when it comes to a lot of the, the, the uses of the early church fathers um, uh, by, by provisionists, um, by, by annihilationists or conditionalists in the, in the topic of hell, um, by, uh, by Baptists, by, even by Presbyterians in some sense, to be honest, the Lutherans probably have the easiest time, um, go, the Lutherans and the Catholics, if we're being completely honest, have, have the easiest time going to the early church fathers in, in baptismal theology. Uh, we want to be careful in how we use the early church fathers to make these arguments. So when it comes to the kind of the, the revisionist history that, that people like Wilson and Flowers and, and, and their acolytes, because so many people are now just parroting it. I, I, <laughs> I haven't heard anyone make this claim that doesn't just, when I, when I ask for any primary sources or primary research or anything like that, just say, oh, well, well, here's a link to the, to the Soteriology one episode. Uh, and here, and here's a link to Wilson's, uh, uh, doctoral thesis, which I, you know, I know they've never read. I know they didn't pay for it and get, they're just, they're just parroting it because they think it's a good argument, but it's not. Um, they're literally arguing like Jesus mythicists would, 
uh, it's just bad history. So uh, just be careful when people are using the early church fathers uh, and, and when they're trying to make these types of arguments. Uh, let your skeptical dials ramp up a little bit. Ask these consistency questions uh, and really try to wonder if the person uh, is handling the historical sources properly or not. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, drive safe and God bless.